Good evening. Welcome back for this time of additional edification from God's Word. Psalms chapter 84, the 84th Psalm. Brother Kaufman has read to us this summer from the Psalms. It's been very good for me. I have no doubt everyone who pays attention is served well by those readings. By hearing these outpourings from the heart of David and others read publicly with such care and reverence and precision. And this summer it has piqued my interest to go back to these readings and devote myself to them again for my personal benefit. And of course, out of that, sermons seem to just walk out of my head into the computer and then up here. And so tonight, the 84th Psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, as they go through the valley of Bacah, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. As I read the 84th Psalm, one of my first thoughts is that this writer brings to the surface a very simple but beautiful concept. The writer seeks to be close to God. Now just latch on to that a minute. The writer seeks to be close to God. See, there was a time when for Jewish people under the Old Covenant, there was a place, a singular place where God's people assembled. Verse 1 mentions a dwelling place, and then it goes on to use the expression, the courts of the Lord, and it says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. 
Now, to get there, you had to go through a valley. But in going through that valley, even though there was energy expended and people were exhausted, they were refreshed because of where they were headed. In verse 10, mention is made of a day in your courts. So this was a time when there was a place where God's people, the Jewish people, assembled. Now, was it Solomon's temple? That seems likely. After David, this was written by one of the sons of Korah. And what is expressed is this strong desire to be where God's presence is, close to God and with His people as they assembled under the dictates of the Old Covenant. Now, that's the main idea. As we begin this study, an important clarification is needed for us today. I can't take the 84th Psalm and apply this just to coming to a church building. If the reference in the 84th Psalm here is to either the tabernacle or the temple of Solomon, the latter seems most likely, God's presence was in that location, in that dispensation. Now, let me explain that. His power and knowledge and activity was not limited to any location. But the Bible says that His glory was in that place. You remember that? Second Chronicles 7 and verse 1, The glory of the Lord filled the temple. The same affirmation is made in 1 Kings 8, 10, and 11. See, this was during the time of the Mosaic Law, at the time of King Solomon, who by direction of God built this temple. And this temple, more than in other places, contained the glory of God, though God was active everywhere. And in fact, when the people of God send themselves into the depth of the trouble that became their captivity, the departure of God's glory from the temple came as indicated by Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapters 8 through 11. So, in Psalm 84, the glory of the Lord filled the temple of Solomon and the writers here, the sons of Korah, wanted to be where God's glory was. And as I said before, upon first reading of the 84th Psalm, you see this strong desire on the part of the writer to be where God's glory is, longing for God, wanting to be close to Him and away from wickedness. We'll talk about that later. So, that's the main idea. Let's look at it more specifically now. In verses 1 and 2, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. It is one thing to know there is a God. And then to know what the Bible says about Him. Then to know what you need to do to engage in obedience to Him. 
to know about Jesus Christ and the access we can have into fellowship with God through Him, to be able to defend that faith, to avoid the bad attitudes that I exposed this morning in defending the faith, to attend every assembly, to sing and pray and give and commune and hear God's Word read and to study it, that's good for you. If you are fully engaged in all of that, but this question must emerge in the minds of each of us from time to time. Is it all just about abstract facts and motions? Is your faith focused just on concepts and propositions and information? Is your faith centered in some sort of left brain analytical, unemotional, academic knowledge and list of duties. That needs to occur to me. Do we just love ideas and their presentation? Are we just attached to routines and traditions and motions? Or is it real? I mean, a love for God individually in your heart and a longing to be where He is and to know Him and to know Him better and to glorify Him and to glorify Him better and to be as close as you can to Him and away from wickedness. In the 84th Psalm and in many others, there is not just a routine, sterile, tedious faith in propositions. Here is someone in the 84th Psalm who is thinking, how lovely is God's dwelling place. I want to be close to Him. Listen to it again. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. This is far more than just keeping up a tradition, keeping the door open, religious routine, going through a list of duties, holding to certain propositions, and communicating and debating those propositions. This ran deep into the heart of the writer who longed to be closer to God. Now, this takes nothing away from knowledge and duty. In fact, what this does, it connects knowledge and duty to heart and gives knowledge and duty its authenticity and its sincerity. So, this longing for God, wanting to be closer to Him and glorify Him better, that captures the 84th Psalm. Verses 3 and 4. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. The writer of this psalm entertained this very curious thought that contains vivid imagery. The birds nesting in the temple have advantage over me. Did you hear that? The writer says, 
the birds nesting in the temple have advantage over me. History tells us, and archaeology confirms, small birds had built nests in the temple area. Perhaps in the crevices and the, the little niches within the temple structure itself, birds would build their nest. So here is someone in the 84th Psalm with such strong desire to be where God's glory is in the temple and to be closer to God, the birds in the temple are envied. What a curious and vivid image that is. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. The birds are there, making their nest. And what you hear in all this imagery is the desire and the emotion that says, if only I could be there. Verses 5 through 7. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Bacah, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. This is what is sometimes called a pilgrim's narrative. A pilgrim's narrative. The paragraph has the sound of a pilgrimage. And you can picture this, and, and as you read this, you can play the video out in your mind of Jews making a very difficult journey, but on that highway to Zion. Their hearts were refreshed in every step closer to being at that place where the glory of God was and the people of God were singing praises. And in verse 6, it says, They go through the valley of Bacah. Some of the translations, some that you may have you're holding there, will say the valley of weeping. Or maybe it will say the valley of suffering. That's a more literal translation of the Hebrew. And, and this, may, this may portray the difficulties on the journey. The trials and tribulations and the physical hardship of the journey, the pilgrimage, the suffering God's people pass through to get there, to get to that place. Yet willing to endure deprivation and disaster to get there and weeping to join with the sparrows in praising God, so to speak. This was so important to the sojourners. They would express their desire along the way and they would, they would recite beatitudes. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. And they would make it from strength to strength, almost getting stronger with every crucial step they took in that direction. Each one appearing before God in Zion. The faithful Worshiper, the lover of God, arrives at that glorious destination and it's all worth the hardship. Verses 8 through 12. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold, 
Our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The writer beginning in verse 8 is pleading to be heard. Desiring to be favorably answered. I want to be there. Help me get there. And in that pleading there is this expression that is another vivid and dramatic image. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I read the 84th Psalm this last week from several translations. And the Hallman Christian Standard Bible does a good job. Better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be at the door of the house of my God than to live in the tents of wicked people. And you know what occurred to me? This last week, turn the news feed off and read the Psalms. How's that? Turn the news feed off and read the Psalms. Two things about this prayer in verses 8 to 12 here. One, the desire to be close to God, which is the theme of the entire 84th Psalm. To have a personal relationship with God even through the old covenant and in the temple, wanting to be as close as you can to the glory of God. And then two, the desire to be far away from wicked people. We ought to well identify with that. Haven't you seen enough wicked people this last week? Don't you get tired of it? And don't you want to wash your mind out? Here's where you can do that. Don't you want to get away as far as you can from the filth and dirt and compromises and the rebellion against God? The writer could not wait to get closer to where the glory of God was in the temple and away from sin. And so the words are better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be at the door of the house of my God than to live in the tents of wicked people. It expresses utter exhaustion with wickedness. It is not just an expression of humility, give me the least position. More than that, I want to be closer to God, and the closer I get to God, the further I am, the greater the distance between me and the wicked. And why? Why is answered in the last two verses. 
For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Trust in God. Which is exactly where Bill took us in the Proverbs earlier. We don't coordinate all that. We're just working from the same source. So, I've got my takeaways, but I want to read it again. The 84th Psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. <coughs> Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, as they go through the valley of Bacah. They make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. What does it mean to us what do we need to get from this? Number one, beware, I should say, be aware that the gospel of Christ offers to each of us far more than just a set of propositions and commands. There are truths and propositions we must have nailed down. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. His death, burial, and resurrection. The commands to repent and be baptized. Directions about worship. Things that we're supposed to be doing. That must be nailed down. But those truths are all about what? They're about God. Is it possible to become attached to propositions and truths and facts and fail to make the connection that those are all about God? God's grace inviting us to live in fellowship with Him through Jesus Christ. The excitement and zeal and joy of a Christian is not merely I've nailed it down and I've got it here. It is I have the truth nailed down that God has revealed so that I know what my heart ought to be toward God. It should be something we think about and glory in and seek and hold to, 
Paul said, I want to be found in him. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Philippians 3, 9 and 10. When God's people someday surround his throne in the presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit, the joy of being with God will block out, I'm convinced, any memories of hardships along the way. We will be thoroughly and perfectly and beautifully refreshed. I don't think in heaven we will just sit back and say, well, that was hard. But we made it, and now we can rest. We will be so captivated to be in the presence of deity. We will not harbor any regrets about difficulties along the way. Or complain about any suffering. Or sit around and talk about the valley of weeping. The song says it well, how beautiful heaven must be. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 84, 11. I need to let the word of God draw me every day into a richer and more personal relationship with God. Don't you? Faith in Christ is a way of life that was designed by God to bring us closer and closer to Him with each passing day of faith's obedience against any of the hardships that come along. Never tire of getting into the Word and doing your reading and getting involved in self-examination and prayer and devotion time, as we sometimes call it. You will be reinvigorated in your faith with each journey that you take into the Word. The Word of God absorbed into the life of the Christian produces growth, according to Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, and so many other passages. Turn the news feed off and get in here. Then it'll do you good. There is a song in our book. I didn't I knew about the song, but I didn't know the connection till last week. There's a song in our book, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow, by E.W. Blandley and J.S. Norris. And one verse reflects Psalm 8411. He will give me grace and glory. He will give me grace and glory. He will give me grace and glory and go with me, with me, all the way. The writer had in mind, history says, a reading of the 84th Psalm when that verse was added. Well, that's God's generosity that we access by faith in Christ that takes us into the presence of God now and then on this pilgrimage that we are in. 
and then all the way, eternal glory after a while. Let's be standing as we sing.